0: So uh, I do have a question, Mm -hmm. and what I'm curious about today is what was your first memory in school? What was your first school memory? First school memory.
1: Hmm. And why do you think you remember it? It's interesting. I, I remember a lot. The problem is, is I don't know time frame. So <laughs> I don't think
0: that Oh, okay, yeah To know so whether like, it was first or not
1: Yeah, I mean, I have, I have a lot I'll give you a few I remember I remember kindergarten really well I didn't go to pre-K wasn't a thing back then, really
0: Well, then that's probably pretty first
1: Yeah So I remember kindergarten really well Miss Hernandez My kindergarten teacher She lived behind me Most of my life Which is kind of weird um, I remember I remember registering for school and my mom bringing me up there to the little building and them saying, oh, you're just going to have half a day. You'll be afternoon. And so I was after, I was on the afternoon schedule, um, which was interesting. I remember that vividly because I was super excited. I'd have to get up at like 8 a.m. Even then, I hated mornings. I still hate them. Um, and then I guess probably one of my... First memories is like she taught us Spanish.
0: <laughs> like she taught you Spanish. Were you bilingual?
1: No, she was. <laughs> oh. Gotcha. But we uh, she taught us like numbers in Spanish. So uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. And like I remember like I know all of that because of kindergarten class, which is wild. Oh. Um, I remember being really scared of the bathroom. No, that's weird. Why? It is weird. I don't know. I, uh, I just didn't want to go. And so I peed my pants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that happens.
1: Until they were like, no, you have to go. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't remember how I got over it, but eventually I did. But like, uh-huh. It's like this weird restroom-like phobia I had for a little bit. What other memories do I have? I know I met one of my good friends, Wesley Albaugh, who just passed away not too long ago, but he... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he did the logo for Teach Me Teacher.
0: Yeah, I remember you talking about him.
1: Yeah. he. Uh, but I, I met him there. I, I met a lot of my friends. I met one of my other friends who also passed away there. Yeah. Um, it's funny because a lot of my friends that I have now were actually in the morning class of Ms. Hernandez. So we were all, we all had like the same teacher, but most of my like closest friends are still people that I knew like from way back then.
0: Is that right?
1: I remember I was in a play at the, you know how, you know, these little kindergarten plays. The play that I remembered mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, I think it was the three little bears
0: mm-hmm.
1: or whatever. And we Holy had locks? to like, were you? yeah, go to locks for you? No, I <laughs> I tried out, but they didn't let me. They wouldn't let. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we did. Uh, um, what else? Oh my! The reason I remember that is because my dad had this like little wood workshop kind of place out in the backyard, and he he made me a cane. And on the cane, it said JC on it. Like it had two a a J and a C, like just not like etched into it, but like attached to it. And I had that cane for a really long time. Really weird. I don't know. I got a lot of memories from kindergarten. Very, very strange time. You
0: sure do. Well,
1: it sounds like you had a good time in kindergarten. I did. I had, I remember my choir teacher, there was this one song I, I found every once in a while I think about it and I find it, but for, she used to let us play like these musical instruments and. Of course, I played drum. Or I was starting to play drums at the time, and, uh, but she had all these, like, really cool things, and I remember it was, like, this Halloween song, it was, like, something, like, I don't know, I don't want to sing it on the podcast, I'll show you later. <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, like, I vividly remember that stuff, and it's very strange, like, I just, it's crazy how much I remember of it, but I guess. I don't know, do you remember kindergarten?
0: I didn't have kindergarten, they didn't make us do kindergarten. Oh, So my first, my first, what what were we (laughs) going to say? Oh, we know.
1: (laughs) I didn't realize you went to school so late or so early.
0: I did. I went to school um, in the first grade. And um, by summer was in my birthdays in the summer. So I was still one of the youngest ones. So I probably could have gotten away with kindergarten, but they didn't make it mandatory back then. But I remember... But I sat on the front row and our neighbor, Andy, he lived behind us and he was like one of my first friends that I met at the, you know, in our new town. And uh, anyway, he, he came, I was already seated and there was a seat the way that the, I remember the desk were um, a dual desk. So like your books go in the center and then you have a desk on each side. So you shared a, a little desk table with your with your buddy, and so with your neighbor, and so he came in and he saw me and ran towards my that chair that was at my desk and sat down with me. It didn't last long because you know uh, teachers start seeing oh they they know each other already we got to separate them. <laughs> so, but his his name was not with my name, so she actually reset everybody in alphabetical order, and so my dear friend. From way back then um we ended up moving but we did we were pen pals we shared letters for a long time and i caught up with her due to facebook uh and so that was kind of neat but i had to remind her that i was the person that she sat at the desk buddy with because we had the same beginning last name sounds so anyway so i did find a really good friend from that first grade experience but it didn't last because my parents moved here in this area and so i mean not that they weren't my friends it's just when you're that young and you move away from your friends you don't really maintain it however we did we did probably for about three years write letters until our lives went probably got to middle school and our lives went really fast after that or junior high we did junior high back then so i remember that i remember uh You got spankings when you were sent to the closet on the other side of the room. (laughs) I got one or two of those. And the schools were all connected. And my dad worked in the high school, so it didn't take any time at all for uh, news to travel fast. Uh, There probably weren't any phones, but all you had to do is go to the teacher's lounge. And I'm sure my dad discovered stuff that way, because when I came home, he always seemed to know (laughs) if I got in trouble. So, uh, but I do remember, one thing I do remember is uh, she would like if we were doing numbers and I remember eight and, you know, you have to do, you know, how it's that infinity uh, looking sign. And apparently I drew mine. Very good. Very well. And so I got to stand up in front of the class and show off my number. That's probably the only time I was successful in math in front of others (laughs) in school. (laughs) But because of that, I liked math up until I moved in this direction. And then I got my units messed up and the teacher said, okay, class, tell her what she did wrong. And then after that, my math career was ended because <laughs> I was mortified. <laughs> so I was excited because I was celebrated and then I was mortified because I was no longer celebrated. So my, my math career lasted about maybe three years and it was over. <laughs> so I, I had to turn to the only thing I could and that was language, <laughs> reading and writing. It's so the only thing I would get good grades on probably. I don't
1: really know. I don't remember that part. I feel that.
0: Yeah. But no, that was my first, my uh, first year. So,
1: yeah. Man, what a time. What a time. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the craft and draft podcast. That's Pamela which i Jacob Chassay. We're two English teachers down here in the state of Texas doing what we love, talking about reading, and writing workshop and so much more. We answer questions on the show from each other and you guys. Uh, we dive into philosophical concepts. We dive into the latest news around workshop and just talk best practices. But the reason why this podcast is alive is because so many of you support us over there at patreon.com slash craft and draft. By doing so, you get bonus episodes, bonus training, bonus videos, and direct access to us. Just like Donna, Amanda, Matt, Jen, Lori, Hannah, Andrea, Tracy, Susan, Natalie, Lori, Destiny, Melissa, Carol, Courtney, Rebecca, Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy and Alicia all do over there already. So go join them. Get some bonus content while you're there. Last week we dropped uh, an episode that is like the bonus episodes that we do. So we wanted to just show you guys that just to see if we could uh, entice some of y'all, let you know that what we do and how direct our questions can be. If not, just subscribe, leave a review, that really does help. We're having a record-breaking month, the biggest month we've ever had of the podcast in terms of downloads, so shout-out to everyone who keeps sharing the podcast, talking about the podcast, and just, in general, encouraging people to be here. So whether you're new or a long-term listener, we're glad you're here. Today we're going to be talking about why planning collapses. We're probably going to look at this from a few different angles, um, and then hopefully maybe you can uh, avoid some pitfalls or overcome some possible pitfalls that you're already in, but let's get to the conversation. All righty, Ochoa. Here's the question. All right. How many teams would you say? Like what percentage of the teams you've been on do you feel like had effective planning? What would that percentage be? You've been, in a, you've been on a variety of teams, a variety of schools. What percentage had effective
0: planning? Do I have to be on the team or can it be teams that I'm somehow involved in?
1: No, can I include on the those? Team. On I have to the be team.
0: on the team. Yes. Well, I mean, there's somewhere I was involved because I was their academic coach and they were good. I'll talk about them later then. Okay. For me personally, Yeah. stay within
1: the line. Well, when I first so start, well, when I first started, right really, now.
0: hang on. <laughs> when I first started, we didn't really work in teams. When, we, when I was in high school, you were an island. You were lucky. It was really, it wasn't fun. So, you count all that. I would have to say maybe how many were successful? I don't know. I wasn't ready for that question. Not very many. <laughs> I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> so why? Right? I mean, that, that was my assumption.
0: I it mean, some have been, I've, but I've been on some really good ones. And I've been a part of them, like as an academic coach on some of them. So before really we get to the ones. good
1: ones. All right. Why are there? What What are these naughty ones? Why is it so difficult to plan as a teacher with other teachers? What is it that gets in the way so often?
0: Well, I think in high school, and I'm just going to go there, it doesn't mean that this is the way it is for all high schools. It was just my high school experience. And I was in high school for about fifteen years, so that's how long my experience lasted. And uh, I, I taught a variety of things, and I was in two different high schools. So, um, I think what made things not work there is one thing was competition and personality. In other words, the personalities didn't really—they couldn't overcome their own personality or their own wants and desires. They, you know, I guess the a failure to compromise. And, uh, but the competition, um, we really were kind of pitted against each other and not, maybe not on purpose, but nobody shared. You didn't share because, well, you, you were in the game to be the one that had the best scores. You were in the game, um, to be the one that had all the knowledge or the one that was going to get the promotion, and there really wasn't a whole lot of sharing. Once you closed your door, you were an island. Uh, it wasn't until I got to middle school that I realized that we were actually on teams, and um, we did have some teams that worked um cross discipline, if you will, um, and that was like a sixth grade team, and then so all of us would have a group of kids and then we all worked together to follow those kids and make sure they were successful. And I felt like that was not a bad thing to do, but it was not necessarily for planning. It was more for uh, student support and to make sure those students were supported. The other ones uh, were like my sixth grade English team. Um, uh, they, I had some that were really good there. Uh, the ones that didn't work... Uh, mainly a competition or their, like I said, personality or um, not wanting to share. Uh, a lot of times, too, it was philosophy. And so I would find myself in this workshop philosophy and everybody else was still on the old paradigm. And so a lot of times it was a shift in paradigm that I had had due to the research that I was doing versus the lack of research maybe that they were doing or maybe not the lack of research, but they were just doing something that they thought was working. But anyway, I don't know if I hit on anything you're interested in, but those were some of my thoughts on why they don't work.
1: Yeah. I just, I think it's really fascinating. Um, from multiple perspectives, I think it's fascinating as a teacher. So I have been on many a teams where uh, things were just a little dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Um, what made I've, them dysfunctional? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a teacher, I think some of it was, I thought it was just like a, like a, a disalignment of practices. So okay. you are misalignment, I guess. So, uh, you have someone who wants to do it a specific way and then you have like, The newer teachers who, you know, uh, I feel like a new teacher can go one of two ways. Either they're like really a part of the team and like, yes, teach me. Or they're like, I have my ideas. I want to do my stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, I think honestly, that's kind of all the categories of teachers. But um, I think that there is just this. I guess this personal nature of teaching that it's hard to overcome sometimes unless you trust your partners. And so if you don't trust your partners or if you don't see their ideas as valid, or if you genuinely just disagree with their ideas, I think it's hard to build that bridge because you end up just kind of, you just don't want to do it. Cause you're like, no, like I'm in my space all this time. I'm responsible for these, you know, 140 kids, 150 kids. Um, I'm not gonna do your lesson, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna right. plan this way, and you can't really blame teachers for feeling that way because it is this, this personal uh, act, and mm-hmm. I think that is, the, I think the vast majority of why there's dysfunction. I think outside of that, I think personalities can just simply clash, and so mm-hmm. if you're just, I mean, that this can be in any industry, but in teaching, it's it can really cause a lot of uh, disruption. It can cause a lot of, uh, I I guess just incompatibility where it's like, you know, we're not going to see eye to eye on this because there's just every step of the way is really struggle bussing. Um, and I just, I just find it really interesting because teaching is one of those things to where like, you can be good on your own, but the I don't think anyone can deny like that has served on a really effective team that effective teams just do so much more. The ideas flow better. Uh, the The data talks are deeper and more uh, conducive to moving forward. Um, the workload is divided better. And so... That's like the goal, but it's so difficult. Because I look back on like just all the teams that I've been a part of, and there are just so many that weren't like that. Like I, I think the I think it's more common for teams to be dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Do you, I don't know? I I feel like it's a little negative. Is that negative to say that I, that it leans that way? Or would you say that? Well, or? I
0: think no. I mean, I, I think I think you're probably right. That's why people have like DeFore and all of them have written books on how to function as a PLC and they provide norms and different things like that, saying that that will help. And I think it does. Um, I think a lot of times the personality and all of that does get in the way everything we both have just mentioned gets in the way when the leadership is not that strong. I think when expectations are clearly defined And they're backed by the administration as far as those expectations. I think the expectations don't need to come completely from the administrators, right? So the people have got to create their own expectations, but they've got to, it's got to be like a blend between the administration and, and what's expected and then the district of course they have their expectations and I think it needs to be a clear understanding of what our vision is as a group and where we're going and how we're going to get there and I think it's your leadership that helps make that very clear and if it's muddy you're already to me sometimes if that that expectation is muddied up for whatever reason it could be Maybe somebody who's just not as strong in leadership. It could be someone who doesn't, the lead you will, don't recognize personalities and how they work together. And so they put some people together that just don't mesh. And maybe it's not even their fault. They just didn't. Maybe it's just new and everybody's new and they're figuring that out. I don't know. But I do think leadership plays a huge role in the success or the lack of success as well. I don't think you can just blame it all on the teachers personally. And you're an administrator. So what do you think about what I just said there?
1: I agree. I mean, I think that because that, that's, you know, leadership is this weird thing. So I have a story to kind of, I guess, highlight oh, this. Okay. it just happened. So this last week, this teacher did something that made this parent mad. The kids were mad. And so this parent was in there and here like there was uh the teacher did something wrong, the kids did something wrong, and the parent was mad that the teacher did something. And she was like kind of she was just really upset and she was upset that her daughter was getting a consequence. Okay, not a big one, but a consequence. And she was just kind of like kind of ranting at me. I go, ma'am, can I tell you something? She goes, sure. And I said, here's the thing. In this situation, Your daughter's going to be mad at me, the teacher's going to be mad at me, and you're going to be mad at me. And I have to do the right thing according to all of this. And that means everyone gets to be mad at me at the end of the day, but everyone has to because there were multiple things that were done wrong. And so there has to be a consequence for each. Um Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's my job is kind of sit right here. And it's like, you know, I had in order to do the right thing, I kind of have to ruffle some feathers a little bit to make sure that these things don't happen again. And that is the the challenge of leadership is you have to make decisions that sometimes isn't just the decision that makes everyone happy. It's a decision yeah. because you have because you have just a different radius of a view. You you see a little bit further Uh, Just because not because you're gifted or anything, just because from where you sit in the building. Right. You just see a different perspective. Um, That's the case with anything. Teachers see a different perspective than admin, which is why teachers should speak to admin about certain things, because they're on the ground floor. Right. Um, With that said, though, weak leadership causes ineffective teachers. Um, Todd Whitaker talks about it. He goes, show me an ineffective teacher. I'll show you an ineffective leader. Um, And I think that is a really uh, uh, that's a really specific point of view that is unfortunately, I think, really true, because I've worked with principals who were not very instructionally uh, aware or gifted or just determined. And so we had teams that floundered because they couldn't really round us up on a common goal. It was very much like you'll do this. okay? so what about there's. Three people who agree and three people who disagree. The people that disagree aren't going to be won over just by you're going to do this. They need to be kind of brought in. They need to be coached through that. But if no one ever takes charge to do that, and a department chair usually doesn't have the money or the desire to do that because they're so busy with other things, Mm -hmm. um, that it never happens. And so you end up with these ineffective teams. Um, And so a leader sometimes has to walk in and say, hey. I'm not taking over, but this, these two things are non-negotiables are going to work from there. And what, in my experience, both as a leader and as a teacher who's worked for leaders like that, um, it, it takes that time. It takes that moment where the leader's like, Nope, this is, this is the path we're going to be on. You guys can work within that. And then sometimes it's almost like those parameters set by a strong leader, especially one that knows what they're doing. Sometimes I feel like it unifies the teams a little bit better.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And uh and that's another thing is uh, your your mom I want to speak to. Um one of the things when I when I became an instructional coach and I walked around the building, I think that was probably the most eye opening year I have ever had because until then, the 15 or 16, 17 years before that, I was in my room. And I didn't get out. They didn't enforce us to get out. You know what I mean? In other words, they didn't encourage us to get out uh, and look around. I did my job. I went into my classroom. Now, I did other things because, um, you know, I had the opportunity, as we all know, that to train other people. So I did get out that way, but not to walk the building as school was going. Does that make sense? So my my view of how the school was running was really limited to my hallway. To my team and to my little, uh, you know, cube, if you will, of a classroom. And but when I got out and started walking around and saw all the different things that people were doing, all the, all the stuff that you and you've spoke to this before, and that is all the different things that come up during the day, whether it's like you said, a teacher doing something on, probably not on purpose, but it, it ended up going south. Uh, to a student doing something that they shouldn't be doing or an emergency, a medical emergency. I mean, all the different things that happen. And uh, that's the stuff that other teachers, if you if you don't have the opportunity to get out and see, you don't really know what's going on. And so um, you're pretty sheltered. So to expect a team, and where I'm going with this, is to expect a team of teachers only to make decisions about the school and all they see is their little area you know they have to have somebody from the outside allowing them in to see what's going on you know what i mean in other words i I don't know if i said that right but they they need that leadership they need somebody whether it's instructional coach or a particular assistant principal that's assigned to that particular group they have to have drop-ins and they need to know i don't think they need to be particularly Uh, managed like all the time, right? But they do need clear expectations. They need drop-ins that are going to happen whenever, right? A little check-in, a little uh, maybe moments where they get to sum up what they've done and the accomplishments. They have to have times to set goals, times to reflect on what they've done and times to make improvements. And they need that time to do that. And And I think if, uh, but you can't expect them to just stay in their little area. And, and I've just seen it where some, where teacher groups are expected to do something for the vision of the whole school, for the, this of the whole school, or what are some, you know, discipline things that items we need, but yet we're limited to what we see because maybe because of a leader or whatever, that's not in there you're kind of lost and there's nothing worse than to be lost with expectations. And I and I'm, I'm, one particular thing comes to my mind as I'm talking about this. And that was, we were supposed to, um, well, they were doing all this stuff where, you know, we're you have to do a mission statement and you have to have a vision and you have to, you know, um, all, all of these things. And so they put us in, in our little groups. And then they said, here, This is what, before you leave today, you got to have, and they told us what we had to have, but they didn't explain how it was going to apply to the school at the time, how it was going to, how we were supposed to incorporate it in our our classrooms. And we were supposed to write all these statements and all these things. And we're like, we had no data to even back up what we were trying to say. You know, this it's just that that particular group, it was new probably to those administrators. They were probably told from the district level that we're going to do this. And everybody was like lost. And I remember feeling when we left there after about three hours, that that was the biggest waste of time. <laughs> and I don't think we really accomplished anything that made a big difference in the, in the school year. And I feel like if you're going to be in a group you've got to feel like that time is time that is productive and makes a difference for your individual classroom as well as the whole school. And uh, so I think when, when you have to be in these groups, whether it's planning for just, you know, just for curriculum or planning like PLCs or planning to improve or to plan you know, all, all the different, types of reasons we plan or we have to group up I just think they it's got to have some meaning to it but I remember sitting <laughs> that one year everybody was complaining it did not help morale <laughs> it did not It was at the beginning of the year and it did not set well with uh with all of us so I remember doing that but I had not been out and saw a bigger view at that time either so it's kind of fascinating to I think to think about that
1: What? Music already? At 30 minutes? That is correct, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying a new format for Craft & Draft. If you want to hear this whole episode, if you stopped halfway through this and you're like, what, I need more, I want to finish this, go over to patreon.com slash craft draft. The link of that will be in this post. You can hear the full episode right now. Go join us over there. It's another perk that we're adding for the people that want to support us and get this podcast up and running monetarily. But don't worry, we're not robbing you free listeners. We know teachers are hard strung for cash. We know that you can't support us the same way some people can some of y'all are very fortunate we thank y'all for coming out and supporting us over there on patreon just like so many of you already do but if you can't part two of this will be released next week so you're not missing a single thing but you get early access to the full conversation and always the full conversation over there on patreon that again is patreon.com slash and you can support us over there and uh get some bonus stuff while you're there there's bonus episodes every single month and so much more so jump over there support us if you can't wait till next week for part two as always know that we are here for you